This is Twa Teams One Street from the Evening Telegraph, the only podcast as obsessed with Dundee and Dundee United as you are. This week, does United boss Goodwin want ex-pros to run the VAR show? And D will be aiming for three against Ackies. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Twa Teams One Street. I'm Tom Duffy and podding alongside me this week are George Cran. Hello. Graham Finnan. Hello everyone. And back from his holiday, Alan Temple. Hello. You all refreshed, you ready for the run-in? Yeah, well as I said before we pressed the big green button, it's um, uh, being on holiday for two weeks with a, a four-month-old isn't quite the relaxation <laughs> uh, and soothing experience uh, you might imagine. I think I've come back more sleep-deprived than when I left, but but no, happy to be back and, and, and blethering nonsense with you lot. Yeah, we're going to do the United section first this week so Alan can have a nap <laughs> We can all empathise, but we're not going to. Anyway, on on with the programme. United. Big week for them. Back in action. Going to Ibrox. Park the bus, Alan. Well, parking the bus very rarely works. Eventually, uh, teams like Celtic and Rangers usually find a way to circumnavigate that bus and, and, and claim a win. So there needs to be a... Um, there needs to be a counter strategy but yeah they'll need to be organised they'll need to be defensively resolute and have a game plan Um, can you back any team going to Ibrox or Celtic Park probably not uh, but what you can probably have a degree of confidence about is that United are in a fairly decent position to at least put in a a gutsy fight about it United even during their struggles even under uh, Liam Fox earlier this season they've actually not been too bad at, uh, at these big grounds at Celtic Park at, at Rangers there's been um, you know defeats but you know some some on occasion snatched from the the jaws of, of something better I think back to the you know being 2-2 against Celtic at Parkhead yeah. with you know uh, three minutes okay. left to play so uh, they have shown that they're capable of going to these tough venues and being organised and, and you know looking to get something looking to get something from it but it will be a, a hugely hugely challenging game I, it's, it's funny there's so few games left that you, you're reluctant to talk about not having expectations and a free hit and it's about the performance rather than the result we're a wee bit late to be yes. <laughs> saying things <laughs> like that to be perfectly honest but the realities are what the realities are and that and that is if the game is any reflection upon the, you know, the the respective talent levels and wage bills, then Dundee United will not get anything from it. So it's it's about the performance, it's about doing yourself justice, and it's about building a little bit of momentum to the the eminently more winnable games against teams like Hibs and uh, and Motherwell ahead of you know the ahead of the the split, which will, it's. Uh, that that's what will really that's what will really matter at, the, at this point. But it's um, there's a, there's a there's an ability to be cautiously positive, not just for the fact that United have progressed a little bit in recent games, but also you wouldn't particularly be hungrily eyeing up Ross County or Kilmarnock's fixtures this weekend either. Mm-hmm. So United can maybe soothe themselves with the feeling yeah. that do you know what? Even if we do, do lose this. I doubt anyone's putting their mortgage on Ross County beating Celtic at the weekend. So, you know, it's still there. Yeah, but is it, as Alan says, simply parking the bus rarely works. So do you have to park the bus, but your foot's hovering over the accelerator, so to speak, so that when you get the ball... And there's another team we'll speak about at the end, maybe showed this week how to set up not to lose a goal, but make sure when you've got the ball you do something with it. That's that's in a nutshell, Tom. You can't just, well, we'll you, you just go there and park the bus. And as Alan says, Rangers are Celtic will always eventually break you down. And, and where do you go after that? You're always concerned once you've set yourself up just to get you know ten men behind the ball and sit just in front of your eighteen yard line and hope to stifle them of any any chances. When, when it does eventually, you do eventually lose a goal. Where do you go? I'm sure yeah. Jim Goodwin. <clears throat> has a defensive strategy in mind but with an eye to getting up the park and the way you do that 
is you have to buy yourself time and you need to have the ideal man there and Stephen Fletcher who say, can yeah. take the ball in, who can keep the ball, who can get free kicks and, you know, you know, just keep a hold of the plate until he gets support up there. But you have to get the ball to him. When you're defending, you can't just be expected to lash the ball 40 yards and hope that Stephen Fletcher is somehow going to sprint onto it. You have to give him a chance. So I'm sure that Jim Goodwin will be working in training this week with that sort of mindset. Let's 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 defend solidly. Let's make sure that we do our jobs properly. Obviously, you can't legis- legislate for moments of brilliance like we saw with Fashion Sakala at Tandice, for example, the goal yeah. he scored. Sometimes players will come up with things like that that just, you know, it's very difficult to defend against. But certainly set plays, no switching off at, at, at quick free kicks and things like that. And hope to, to, you know, maybe to uh, frustrate Rangers in part, but also when they do get up the park, when they, when they do get the bottle of Fletcher, the midfielders, I'm sure, will have been told, the wide men will have been told, you must get there as quickly as possible to get up there and support and support him. It's a tough one for United, Sam. Um, you know, I'm just looking at Rangers' stats here. I think they've played 14 games at home. They've scored 37 goals, which is two and a half, three goals a game. Um the other side of the coin is you think they've only scored uh, 12 goals on the road. So, it's, you know, the stats suggest you think they're going to lose this game. But as Alan's rightly pointed out, there are tough fixes for Ross County and Kilmarnock as well. My worry is that somebody, as I spoke, as I said before, went on air, somebody sometimes can spring a surprise when you least expect yeah. it at this time of year. And that could really, really, you know, be a low blow when you come off the park and you find it. I think another thing we've got to look at we're now getting to the stage of the season where well it's coming down to points are vital goals are going to be vital goals against are going to be vital as well now United find themselves on uh, a goal difference of minus 24 I see Kilmarnock are minus 27 Ross County have got a, a head mm. start on them on minus 18 when believe me having been there with Dundee in the past mm. you start looking at the goals against Colm yeah. you, you know you, you, you want to have that mm-hmm. advantage that's worth a point going into the final run of games if you've got that five, six goals going into the final few games. That is worth a point to you. So, well, United might might go there and, and, and they might take a defeat. What they don't want to do is take a catastrophic defeat and, you know, ship five or six goals. I don't see that happening. We've, as Alan said, we've seen encouragement in the games against against St Mirren, you know, um, at Tarrace, um, the games against Livy, I think, as well. They've, they've shown... They've shown a bit more uh, resilience and I'll expect to see that at Ibrox on Saturday. The thing worth... Notice, you know, noting if you were to try and accentuate the positives is for all that they're if you were to look on paper, Rangers results under Michael Beale have been largely fabulous, you know, aside from that game against Celtic, but it isn't all sunshine and rainbows there no. you know, there's a, there's a sort of and stuff, oh, yeah, there's an yeah. overarching sense of dissatisfaction oh, at the grumpiness yeah. Yeah. Just at the, isn't and that's partly because Rangers aren't exactly purring at the moment yeah. and it's partly because and we see this here with, in, in a city with a with a great rivalry. Is when the other team is flying, it suddenly it seems that your own performances are, <laughs> uh, if they're not quite where you'd like them to be, it hurts that a little bit more. Because yeah. look at them across the city; they're flying. Yeah, fans know. notice everything that they're unhappy about. Yeah, isn't quite yeah. right. So I think, I think one thing Michael Beale's fair. You're right. Yeah. They, they haven't been putting, but they have been getting victories. He's, he's, he's managed well, to find that side of it. It's the other side they haven't been able to put together at this yeah. point in time. And that may not come this season. That may take recruitment to bring players yeah. in that he wants. And most of the rest of the country's probably scratching its head a bit yeah. about that atmosphere at Ibrox just now, because he's mm-hmm. he started well. And I mean, he, he hasn't closed the gap to Celtic because Celtic haven't dropped yeah. points, not yeah. because he's dropped lots of yeah. points. Yeah, I, I should clarify that I'm no way a, a criticism of Michael Beale, really. It was no. more the, the point I'm making is more if United can do that cliche of make the 20 minutes awkward for Rangers and uh, get fans a little bit on their back, the fans are in the mood right now to turn you know yeah. they're, they're in the yeah. mood to have a pop at Ross Wilson they're in the mood to uh, question what's going on at their football club so if Dundee United can give those fans a reason to do that a reason to be as Tam says grumpy then it's a it's an element it's my, it's my default <laughs> status it's, that's, that's that's Tam's middle name thought <laughs> <laughs> you so th- that's maybe another aspect to what could be Dundee United's game plan go- going into this one there'll be a lot of things as part of that game plan would need to go right for United to get anything but that's maybe one one element of it it's not a 
it's not necessarily an Ibrox that's a, it's a happy place right now. And I remember the 2-1 the, the defeat earlier this season at Ibrox when, when Liam Fox was in charge and Rangers went 2-0 up, two sloppy goals uh, United conceded, but... They brought it back to two one under Liam Smith uh, after uh, sorry after Liam Smith's goal I should say, and I maintain if that game had gone on five ten minutes longer, United were equalising. Mm-hmm. Rangers yeah. were so nervous, the fans were nervous. They were every misplaced pass was getting jumped upon, and United had the wind in their sails and and went for it. And if there comes a bit of the game where it's like that, United just need to try and take advantage of it. But as I say, I've been to every every away game that United have had in Glasgow this season and um, I've seen you're the jinx <laughs> I've seen them I've seen them have some dire performances this season and uh, the trips to Glasgow have really been those yeah. so uh, you know there's there's a reason for them to think they can at least do themselves justice but for being brutal about it George it's a good weekend for United don't get battered and Celtic keep winning because they're at Ross County yeah you'd expect Celtic to pick up a win in that I don't really expect them to drop any points maybe aside from playing against Rangers between now and the end of the season I think they're that far in front of everybody um, but in terms of United and Jim Goodwin they've had what another break in the season it's not often a manager comes in with so little time with between getting the job and the, season, the end of the season coming up that he actually has two weeks in yeah. the middle of it to, to work on his team so uh, the, the job for United I don't expect them to, to get a result but to come out of the game with the confidence still intact that they've done some really good work over the past 10 days and it, it can set them up for the rest of the season um, I mean Hibs what, Hibs, Mullerwell and Livy before the split they just have to be at least within touching distance when it comes to yeah. that split that's, that's the main the Big picture, I, I would say, in terms of United, because Rangers and Celtic, they've, they've been streets ahead for decades, but they look even further ahead these days, than, I have to say. George makes a, a good point. I was going to say that, Alan. It's not like me. What? Yeah. Which, which good point are you <laughs> referring to? That, that, that Surely ten. didn't make two. <laughs> I was thinking more the the point about the 10-game the ten game gap and I'm chatting to people kind of on, on, on and off the record, I should say. And um, it's... Uh, the things that keep shining through in terms of what that ten game gap, uh, ten day gap has been, are discipline and mentality, if you want to call it that. In terms of if you lose a goal, don't lose another goal. Yeah. Don't lose another goal. Don't let things snowball like they've had this season. And the other thing is fitness, which I, I think is quite interesting. That a, a lot of people um, at the club have now been talk- uh, they've basically been. Been a, not a mini pre-season, but because there's been, you know, it's, it's important to do more shape work than you would do in pre-season. But there's been a lot of fitness stuff. There's been a lot of grafters, right. which um, evidently speaks to a manager that's come in and felt that was necessary. So you look at the player that Jim Goodwin was as well. I mean, mm-hmm. that'd be, he'd be all over that as a player. So, so it'll be a really interesting. Ibrox is actually a really fascinating test when you, when you talk about those virtues because even if you don't win the game. It's a great chance to go and show that the message has got through, yeah. and that was what mm-hmm. Jim Goodwin will want. If you've if you've worked on discipline, bounce back ability, and fitness, they're all going to get tested in Glasgow. So um, it will be. I, I think Jim Goodwin will want to see that a lot of that hard work that, that's been put into these players is is, um, is paying dividends, and if they can do themselves any degree of justice, uh, Ibrox, then it sets them up for for those games that George talks about, eminently more winnable games. And I mean, it just crossed my mind as well. Going to Ibrox this weekend, we we actually, but I'll let you all in a little secret. We discussed just before we came on here whether or not to discuss Jim Goodwin calling for ex pros to be in the VAR booth to help out referees. Now, part of the reason I was a I was a for it man. Part of the reason that others didn't want to discuss it is it's never going to happen. And I totally agree with that. But as, as one thing is, it, it's just occurred to me, is it a good thing Jim Goodwin's raised it just now? Because United you know, might get a wee favour or a wee break. <laughs> is it a bit of mind games? A wee break at Ibrox, that would be... <laughs> uh-huh. And not getting a penalty given against them. It's a good point, but rather than ex-pros, Tom, they've just got to make the right calls. I think some of the decisions that were made just prior to the international break, they were horrific. 
I mean, how, I mean, that is really poor, and I think there should be a hierarchy in there. And there probably is where, as if you're a referee and you have a bad game, you are taken out for a couple of weeks. That could be the same yeah. for whoever's in the farm box, I would think. Uh-huh. You know, OK, that, that wasn't quite what the decision that a panel will maybe decide on that. We think that should have been gone the other way, but there were some really poor calls. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that's why you get managers saying things like ex-pros coming in. I mean, I don't think it would be a bad thing, but then... Who eventually makes it? How many people can you have inside that VAR studio make? Yeah. Once you've got too many, I mean, we're talking about the sort of length of time it takes to yeah. make a decision. If you've got six to eight people in there, all six having, to eight? No, but wow. that, that would really be good. That's more than some Scottish football matches, George. Six to eight. But, I mean, I had so many people. Just think it's six to eight, and if you add another one, it would really suck. Boom, boom, here oh, all week. Oh, no. I'll have to put explicit on this podcast. But you're never, it's, it's taken forever. You know, to uh-huh. get to the final call, and that's really frustrating fans, yeah. I think, as well, as much as the actual final decision. So, yeah, let's just get the calls right first time. And there's, I mean, there are rules and regulations. <laughs> this is competitive football. You can't yes. just say, um, well, we'll take someone from this parish. You can't just say, Lee Wilkie knows his stuff. He knows what's a foul <laughs> and what isn't a foul. Lee Wilkie certainly <laughs> knows what a foul is. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll stick him in the VAR booth because, and I'm no, I wouldn't dare suggest this about Lee, especially with the size of him, but. <laughs> Some ex-pros, a lot of ex-pros, don't know the intricacies of yeah. the rules. Ah, they don't. They I've change every single almost season. Almost every sport. I mean, I, I'm mentioning it too often recently because I mentioned it a lot. But because rugby rugby refs are mic'd up, even at international level, they sometimes have to stop and say, you've done that again. You're not allowed to do that. And the players like, oh, right. and I'm not talking about necessarily Uh, what's a foul, what's not, that's obvious but there's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of things that change look at the handball rule, imagine you've got an ex-pro in there this season and now I don't think every handball decision's been right but certain certain ones of them, by the letter of the law a law that most pundits you saw on TV talking about wouldn't have known perhaps correct decisions yeah. so uh, th- that's the kind of minefield you get yourself into and th- fundamentally we've got far in this country for a few reasons and one of them is so that our officials can officiate at the top level on European football which will operate with VAR for a long time and that's the kind of scrutiny that the game's governing body puts on these officials you need to know the rules you need to have passed badges yeah. you need to have gone through the pyramids you can't have competitive football and just say and part of our decision making process is just a guy that used to play for Forfa it's just like yeah. uh-huh. I get I get how it sounds nice and it sounds neat but it's never going to happen and in a structured you know Sean Murdoch and Jamie McConney love to see them in there. They've they're doing their refereeing. That's the only way you can do really is you know, putting, you, re, putting s- players into the refereeing system. CF, isn't it? CFX that could players. never be a short term thing. Yeah. You would have to sit them down and yeah. make I, sure they did a course on the if, laws of the game. If ex players want to be referees, then go and be a referee. Exactly. But yeah. it can't just be this sort of pie in the sky off the top of your head. Let's get some ex players in there because it's not how it works. They're mm. they're not trained to do the job. It's a nice sound bite, but it's never ever going to happen. And if we do want, I would love to see more ex players. Uh, and Sean Murdoch's really coming through the, the ranks. For example, I think he's he's not a million miles away from you seeing him at maybe a League Two game or something like that. So um, uh, that's how that's how you go about it. I'm all for it, but let's not pretend you can just say, you know, yeah. ran. Let's get Rab Douglas in the the, the referees booth because it's just not. He's calling for another paper. <laughs> you see how I'm <laughs> coaching our bro. <laughs> Mass, <laughs> massive, <all> massively <laughs> on brand here. I'm only mentioning people <laughs> we pay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Lee Wilkie, Rab Douglas. Don't forget, you can read their columns yeah. every week in DC Thompson and Company Limited Publications. That's all for this week. We've done our advert. <laughs> no, need to mention Eve Muirhead as well. Just to, She's just not going in a bar box, though, is she? <laughs> she probably knows the rules better than someone else. Likely, someone doesn't actually play a sport might yeah. read, read the rules yeah. or the laws. But I go back to my original point about this, George. It's, I won't do any United any. They had a justified reason for saying there needs to be yeah, yeah. talks about this. There needs to be, that. but they've kept it going in a second week. And it's right before the next game. It's not going to do them any harm. I mean, a referee or a, or a VAR official is not going to go, you think that was bad, wait until you see this one, is it? Yeah. And it might, if there's a benefit of the doubt, they might be going, oh, well. Well, that's, that's why every single week, every single football match, you see footballers having a go at the referee, even if it's 
the most blatant fill you've ever seen because they might get the next one yeah. or they might get a wee bit of leeway on the next one. So, I, yeah. And I it is usually ridiculously know. optimistic to be fair to <laughs> yeah. referees, but you never know. Yeah. What, what I would exactly. say is it's worth, um, in terms of things that have come out of United and, uh, and conversations that are worth having, I, I don't think the notion of writing to the Scottish FA and saying, listen, can we maybe have the representatives of the club for a, a wee sit down and talk about how this has been implemented and whether we're happy with it and hmm. what can maybe happen next? Because... I'm, I understand that when this was implemented at the start of the season and when they were discussing this is how much you'll pay for it and this is <laughs> how it will work, th there was a, a kind of promise that there, it will be transparent and if there's any issues, then we'll sit down with you and we'll discuss those issues. And I don't think that conversation has been brilliantly open other than angry people phoning Crawford Allen. The poor guy must, phone must blow up on a Monday. So that's not really, that's just people venting. That doesn't, you don't get anything from right. that. I think more a, a more structured sit down and conversation about how you can improve it and what needs to change and how it's been so far would be the right thing to do because fundamentally, let's not forget, clubs are paying a lot of money for this. Yeah. You know that, it must be galling like that penalty yeah. against yeah. Man, that You're sitting there thinking, I'm paying for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that Alan's right. I mean, I think when you sit down at the end of the season, normally you'll get bad breaks in a game. And you always feel over the course of a season they will even themselves out. Now, if you get to the end of this season and you feel that you have been really harshly treated by VAR, it's and not then quite the same, is it? You've had to pay X amount yeah. of money to, to bring it in, you're going to be yes. really upset. Well, they showed in the uh, Scottish Cup games early in the season when clubs had the choice whether mm. to use it or not. If, if it was at a premiership ground and it was there, teams didn't take up that choice. Was that because of mm. VAR or was that because of the financial aspect, though, George? I'd probably the finance, but they probably didn't think it was worth it either. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, it's an indictment if having played with VAR for six months that you make a decision that the risk versus reward it just isn't isn't there financially yeah, exactly. you know that's that in itself is, is is a bit of an indictment mm -hmm. that's quite telling in the early rounds of the scottish cup because you think that the bigger team would be pushing for it to be used because yeah. they've more chance of absolutely decisions in the other team's box having to be reviewed yeah because so. I, I know the the dundee samurangam neither team were interested in taking it so Although those in power of VAR will tell you that 90 percent of the decisions are correct, ah. so you, know, you can't you can't dispute just, that. There's yeah, no, there's no hiding though. Error. That's the thing. It's no hiding when you've got yeah. cameras. It's, there's, uh, there's, it's all it's human error. It's people with access to the technology yeah. that are making yeah. poor decisions. Yeah, no, and, yeah. and what I would say is a conversation for another time because I can't believe we've, we've, <laughs> it always happens. We end up blabbering on for so Aye. long about this bloody oh. VAR. Yeah, we've got, but. However, you hate VAR, don't you? I, I just, yeah, I, I just, uh, I, I, funny enough, I quite like talking about football. <laughs> and it just, it sucks the soul out of me. But what, what, what I would say is, the, the other problem you have is, we don't have a surplus of great referees in this country. Yeah. I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. And what has happened is every single top flight team now needs another three officials on top of that. So what you're getting is guys who are, decent top flight officials are now sitting in a booth so that then requires other officials mm. to do other top flight games that filters right down what officials are now doing League 2 games League 1 games championship yeah, games even if you're being generous you're you're getting guys who are not aren't actually ready for yes, the, the people, job they're doing yeah. there's an argument at the top flight people are being over promoted when they're maybe not ready for that level and that filters all the way down to um, the, the lower leagues and there's a looming problem that hasn't really been discussed yet, which is we need more referees. Absolutely. Well, we, you're saying the lower leagues, but then you go down into the Highland League, the of course, Lowland League. Of the, course. All these, the, the, the entire pyramid now have got yeah. officials at games. Yes. It's not just one man in the middle. They've, they've got assistant <coughs> referees, etc. Where did it all come from? It's a really, really big crisis. That, yeah. that, that, that's a looming one that nobody's really talking about. And I don't know if it needs to be a recruitment drive or, yeah, like we were discussing earlier, trying to encourage ex-pros to go into the pyramid and do their badges and, and uh, their officiating courses, I should say, and uh, all that sort of thing. Because out of all this, and I get the razzle-dazzle of the big decisions and the drama on the back pages, but this undercurrent of where are these referees, where are the good referees, mm -hmm. uh, it really it, it worries me because you've got a right, if you pay good money to go and watch 
um, you know, <laughs> Lockheed United at a weekend. You've got a right to expect mm-hmm. a competent official in, uh, yeah. in the middle. So I just, uh, yeah, I, I worry about having enough officials I've, to service yeah, VAR. I've got to say as well, with the thought of ex-pros going in and doing it, I mean, I haven't played the game for a long time at you know semi-professional level. You know, you, you call the referees this, that, and the next thing. I would think very, very few. <laughs> yeah. I know you think you've got yeah. all the right decisions on the part during the game. Very, very few ex-pros will actually mm-hmm. want to put their head above the parapet, put the whistle in their mouth and start telling other people. Well, that, yeah, it. that goes for everybody. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I think that's the, the big thing that uh, kind of drives people away. Because back when I was at school, which is a while ago now, but... I did the the refereeing course and did a did few you? did a few games. You've kept that secret. I've mentioned I've mentioned it in this. No, I'm sure. no. But I've uh, chucked it after about three games because it was like it's what's. I must admit I don't understand how anyone enjoys refereeing a game. No. I mean, th- have you ever thought about taking up again, George? No, I did. I, I did. Uh, <laughs> I think it was Queen, quite Queen money, of the yeah. Queen of the South. Somebody else under 11s or under 12s or something. And the abuse that I got was <laughs> unbelievable. No wonder you were given every decision. Uh, I, was, I, South. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I would have been terrible. But bottom of the league, Queen uh, of the South under 12s was six 0 up after ten minutes. All penalties. Yeah. But no, I was just like, what's the point in this? I think I got paid like twenty eight quid. I was like, oh. It's well. It's no. well saying that it's six foot four ex-goalie Sean Murdoch that can make a <laughs> yeah. they yeah. can make yeah. a go of it because absolutely no one stepped up <laughs> funnily enough he actually did the Dundee United Reserve game against Queen's Park uh, that I was up at uh, St Andrews to right. watch so I had a wee blether with him but it was funny because he towers over every player on that football pitch and there was no talking back to him so yeah. I think it maybe benefits if you're uh, built like Sean Murdoch right. well, Kalina's obviously exactly. the, I mean the eyes you're not going to argue with him are you? no so. nightmares <laughs> I wouldn't even run close to him. Too scary. <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on, before we get on to a bit of nostalgia, a bit of good news. Jim Goodwin thinks Dylan Levitt's season may not be over because he doesn't need surgery. Yeah, we're a wee bit sort of um, playing it by year was the phrase uh, he used. There's a hope it might be in the four weeks window, um, but... There's no certainty. The good news is he won't require surgery. Surgery would absolutely event his season. Well, I can't even... What is injury? It's a knee ligament problem. Mm. So it's we're more on the side of tweaking than tearing, but Dylan's had issues with his knee before, so you do need to be careful with him. And surgery would have seen him not only miss uh, the rest of this season, but you'd imagine you're looking at a race against time in terms of having a good pre-season, you know, providing he's still at United and, you know, that, a lot of that will depend on their divisional status and stuff like that. So, but nevertheless, for Dylan's sake and for Dundee United's sake, it's good that he won't require surgery. But at the same time, I wouldn't be placing any smart money necessarily on seeing him because it's all about how well he rehabs. It's all about mm. whether he's fit enough to play a part. And even although he has got talent, if there's a relegation crunch come the last couple of weeks, I don't think you're throwing in a 70% fit because it's going to be a war by that point and you'd be better on betting on someone who... Uh, who can give you a hundred percent? So, um, also Liam Smith's uh, out, and uh, he'll definitely miss the Rangers game. Um, it could be a wee bit longer, but again, there's um, he's been sent to speak to a specialist about an ankle knock. So they don't have the problems to seek. Charlie McGrew, Glenn Middleton, also toiling. So uh, there's a few injury issues there. But as we've said over the course of the season, United, aside from uh, up front and you know Touchwood, Stephen Fletcher still still fitting well. Um, you know they've got a wee bit of depth. In other positions, so um, they, they should be okay. But you would certainly, um, you would certainly want those players players back. And given that sort of grim picture overall on the injury front, I take it that's why you chose to speak to a, a legend in Seab Dykstra this week. Because if a man's going to cheer you up, <laughs> it's Seab. Do you know what's funny? Is it's so much fun writing about football when there's no football to write about. You just phone, <laughs> phone old boys and you know do legend pieces and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, no. Funnily enough, Seeb's um, released his autobiography in um, in Holland uh, last month. So I thought we'd have a, a blather about that. It's, there's brilliant tale. A man that speaks so fondly about his time in in, mm. in Scotland. He gets yeah. you know he, he quite um, uh, somewhere between kind of. Um, emotional and just having a happy reverie when he thinks about his last game, you know, being brought on for Alan Combe by Paul Sturrock uh, against Celtic, and mm-hmm. you know that moment when he came on, everyone said goodbye, etc., etc. And um, 
away from the game. He's been a bouncer. He's been a taxi driver. He's been a private detective. So what I would say is he's in. He's in. There's a film coming here, isn't there? <laughs> that, that, well, he used to, they used to call him. <laughs> no, that's not a film. So uh, he's in. He's, he's chatting to a few people about um, you know translating the book and getting that over to to you know the UK maybe this summer. So. Um, yeah, if you're listening to this and you fancy uh, reading his story, then uh, you know, make make some noise on Twitter, make some noise on Facebook, because that's what happens. Things gather momentum, and that'll help out. So, be fair to say, possibly the most popular other team player in our time in the Scottish game. Everybody loved him. Yeah, he was he was well yeah. liked. I mean, he, he had an easy going nature about him, Tom. I'm not sure if that's 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 yeah. what it was. And he, the good thing about him. And it's a Dutch mentality as well, the arrogance that he made. He, oh. made, a few, he made a few mistakes, but it just mm. it was like water off a dog's back. He was a fantastic goalkeeper. Came for loads of cross balls, mm-hmm. missed loads of cross balls, but you always heard them. That's what, I mean, the good thing is, he, he, he came for lots of, lots of balls, but his defenders knew he was coming, got mm. out of the way, and if the ball dropped, they were ready. He wasn't taking out half his team with one daft lunge out, you know? So, mm-hmm. But a, a, a top keeper, but always... You seem to have a really laid-back mentality yeah. for the game. And, yeah, well, well loved it, Tanner, it's like, and beyond. It's funny you mention that because he, we were chatting about his, his debut for, for Motherwell. He'd only mm. been in the country for two days and he lost 4-1 against Wraith Rovers in his first, his first game. And I kind of, as you do, I can ask, you know, you're a young man just over for two days and you get four goals put past you and Tommy McLean's throwing teacups about. <laughs> uh, were you thinking, you know, I've made a horrible mistake here? And they said, no. No, I knew how good I was. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's it, you know. And uh, you know what? Uh, you know <laughs> the that that confidence, that mentality. A wee bit of that with the Dundee United boys currently would be, you know, that unshakable self belief yeah. uh, will be will be most welcome. I think a wee, a wee leaf from Seab's book. My, I wonder if he's included this in his book. My favourite Seab story and experience was United were playing Trabs on Swar of Turkey. Oh. That's in not 90, easy to say. In 1997. So, wait, it's almost Georgia it's that far into Turkey. And it seems a way to take a goal kick. And I, bizarrely, I remember it was a German referee who looked horrified. She put the ball down and he ran out his box up to the referee. And I guessed right away, because he was pointing behind the goal and he was complaining to the referee that they were playing music to distract him and the referee's like get back in your box and take the goal kick and Seab was like oh no and in fairness to him after the game I was speaking to him and he said look look could you put in an apology I complained about the music I didn't realise it was a mosque calling people up. <laughs> I'm really sorry I didn't I, I didn't realise I thought they were doing something they shouldn't and it was a mosque it was the Stadium was getting reconstructed, so there was right. a very low stand behind oh. one of the goals. <laughs> and she put the, the referee's like, "Get back, get back! <laughs> don't be, do, don't be complaining. This is a different thing." But he would, in fairness to him, he came out afterwards. Like, Wait a minute, please, please, <laughs> can you put an apology in? I thought. I don't think there's many people in Trabs on Reed to Tilly. No, <laughs> <laughs> I did it anyway. And and even bigger United legends on his way back to the city. In a week or so, Ivan Golak. Mm-hmm. No doubt talking about the Scottish Cup win. I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah. the Scottish Cup, we're, we're getting to that stage again. Semi-finals are coming up and that's a fantastic tale, Tom. You know, it's another, another easy-going, easy-going <laughs> manager. And it was just, a, just an amazing story how Jim McLean tried and tried and tried for years to win that trophy and with some heartbreaking stories <laughs> at Hamden and Ivan comes in and wins it. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. I was just just added to the you know the, the whole tale uh, but another one who's fondly remembered on these on these shores. I very likable mm-hmm. and so relaxed he was horizontal at times. <laughs> tell you tell you a story about Ivan on the on the day that he left United uh, and he was dismissed he insisted we all have a glass of wine to toast his time at the club <laughs> that was how relaxed mm-hmm. he was it was quite it was quite bizarre but he was like hey boys it's life don't worry about it and that was his attitude his attitude it's was it's not a bad attitude to have management isn't a long term prospect mm-hmm. is it, in football <laughs> for for the vast majority of, of managers good stuff after this we'll cross the road
George, first off, to touch on the third part of this week's show, is it true Spain are looking into Cami Kerr's ancestry because they need a right back who can defend? <laughs> <laughs> but could, see, be. could be. It wouldn't surprise me they're looking for somebody. Mm. But anyway, Dundee, Hamilton, Saturday, three points must. Yeah, you play, I mean, you're going for a title, you're playing bottom of the league. I mean, that, that's... Uh, what can possibly go wrong? I know, oh, the expectation know. is there. This is done. On a high, though, the, yeah. trophy winners, Hamilton. Exactly, that's... that's Dundee have got a bunch of bananas this season, and it's, they're all embossed <laughs> with the names of the bottom three, aren't they? <laughs> it does seem that way. Um, and Hamilton, it's been weird. This is the fifth time they've played Hamilton this season, which... Usually you're getting pretty fed up with this sort of thing. But it does feel like yeah, every time I'm on this podcast, you're previewing yeah, Cove Rangers yeah. or Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> They've but, played them hundreds of times. But Hamilton have been different almost every time because they were so poor at the start of the season. Yeah. They played the very first game of the Premier Sports Cup and Hamilton fans booed them off, booed off their own, their own team. Well, they're not after, booing them on at that time. <laughs> after one game in the season. Um, and then they were pretty poor for a long time, but then suddenly since January they've really picked up and looked like a, a tough team to beat, um, which is, you, you expect that's what the game's going to be like on, on on Saturday. I fully expect Dundee to go with a very similar setup that they did against the air with the two strikers and, and try and try and get an early goal and kind of kill off any idea that Hamilton have that they might get a result but they put in a really strong defensive performance last week in that cup final just watching the highlights that their goalie was in superb form Ryan Fulton he was in superb form against Dundee the last time they played so fingers crossed uh, that doesn't happen again for Dundee mm. that was but, uplifting <laughs> but, but Dundee are coming off the back of a, one, one, of their, one of their best performances of the season themselves they've just had a wee gap which can go either either way I, I would say it, it can either refresh you and you're, you've spent 10 days thinking about a good performance or it can maybe take the edge off you a wee bit so. and Bear, George says it's a different Hamilton and maybe before I uh, watched Ukraine let me down against England on Sunday I tuned into that foreign channel that shows the, the Challenge Cup or the whatever trophy <laughs> it's called now and uh, Hamilton against Wraith in the final lost two players early on had a man sent off after 55 minutes or something like that still won it it shows they're yeah, a tough that, team now they are tough and I think they're a mirror image of, of their manager John Rankin was a tough Tough player on the park as well. Hated getting beat. You know, yeah. good player, quality player. Which should maybe clarify: tough in the way that yeah, mentally yeah, tough. mentally tough. Ah. Yeah, yeah. And they needed that last week. I, I watched the, the game against Wraith Rovers, and obviously Wraith having the extra man, by far, the stronger side going into that last fifteen minutes. But they defended for their lives. George has mentioned Ryan Fulton. He he must be the star of the show this season because yeah. every time he's played against Dundee, he's been absolutely outstanding. And I would say if anyone is looking for a goalkeeper in the summer, I wouldn't go too. Hmm. It wouldn't be a bad thing to have a look at him. Every mm -hmm. time I've seen him, he's done really, really well. But the door has well and truly opened for Dundee. There can be no, again, there can be no doubt about that. Our good friends, Arf of course, Arf Broth, I mentioned it last week <laughs> on the podcast. And to be fair, Ewan said, do us a favour, and they have. And it's no, 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 no. Ewan said, I'm not saying they'll no, win. Oh, yeah. did he? Right, he, okay. he did, but they won't yeah. lose. I'm putting words yeah. in his mouth, well done. Yeah. But... That might he, be should the only, been, he should have been bolder. That might be the only time Ewan's not predicted in a yeah. broth win. Because <laughs> you, you were on holiday, you missed it. Uh, in fairness to Ewan, he hadn't seen a lot of Arbroath because he seems to have taken up watching whoever's playing against Cove Rangers yeah. and supporting them. To be fair, I've, I've got uh, I've got the word Arbroath muted in the group chat because of Ewan, so yeah. I, I don't get any Arbroath chat. Yeah, yeah the, and it's, it's only fair that... Um, they take points off Queen's Park because let's be honest, it was a, they get hit Dundee with a crushing, yeah. a crushing <laughs> blow um, just after the new year in uh, Dens Park. So, yeah, as Dundee's surely this is Dundee's time, Tom. The, the opportunity they've got now with the, the games they've got coming up, nothing easy. Um, Hamilton are still fighting for their lives. I was down there. I must have only been a couple of months ago when when they played at Hamilton and they were going going well, but Dundee still played them off the park that day, but only came away mm. with a point, and yeah. that is the danger. <laughs> That's the danger. They don't yeah. 
they don't take their chances <clears> and they don't pick up the points they need to, to go beyond Queen's Park at, at, at this stage because they can't allow this opportunity to slip. The, the, you know, we're, we're in the final running now. They can't allow the fact that Queen's Park have slipped up and Dundee have got quite a couple of home games, well, well, a couple of games against, you know, teams in the, in the bottom three to, to go by because if they do, they're looking at playoffs. Um, but they should take great encouragement from their last game. You know, we, we spoke about the Park Thistle game at the time, you know, when, uh, when, when it was the game through there the nil-nil game and, and they were, some of the fans were booing them off but I thought although Dundee were really poor ultimately it was a good point Partick had been going quite well Dundee didn't play well that uh -huh. day but if you don't play well and come away with a point Tom it's, it's, it's a good point yeah. it's a good point and it's, it's turned out it's turned out to be a brilliant point because I followed it up with a magnificent performance against mm. there has he found this formula Zach Robinson and Alec Jakubiak playing together up top. Oh, the fans have been calling for it for a while after yeah. they did so well against Queen's Park and then we never saw them again playing together really at all. Um, surely Dundee have now got to be in the mindset of they've got to go for victories. Now that meal, the game against Air United, that offered Air United opportunities to score a few goals. But I would suggest with Dundee going for goals and playing the, the two men up, up top on any given day, they will score more goals than the opposition. And that's the way it's got to be now because three points yeah. are, are imperative at this stage of the season. So yeah, great opportunity handed back to them. Mm -hmm. Handed back to them at this stage of the season. Dundee have now got to grab it. Will they, George? I think they will, yeah. That's You've it. been confident all season, eh? Because, that's because I wrote at the start of the season Dundee would win the league so I'm not, I'm not changing I'm not changing too late to change uh, yeah, um, well it's mathematically possible <laughs> I, th I think if, if they if they keep those two up top and, and fit and firing I, th I think they'll give any team between now and then the season a, a real tough afternoon uh, seemed like it a perfect combination in terms of you've got Zach Robinson, really physical striker, uses his, his strength and his, his body really well to, to turn players. And you've got Alex Kubert, has got that extra bit of pace and directness. And they get on really, really well off the park as well, um, which helps. Um, I don't care if they hate each other off the park. <laughs> but I, I was also having a look back at some of the stats and every time either of them have scored, Dundee have not been beaten. Only one game where they didn't win, and that was that Inverness game where they should have won and didn't. So you get them on the on the park and, and finding the net, and, and things are good for Dundee. Um, have to be wary going the other way. That's the, the only thing I have about four four two, and there's a reason man, not a lot of managers play it is you, you leave your midfield quite open, and it's often two against three if the other team's going to get the ball. I so. never quite get that. Why can't they just play narrower and then they've got four against three? He could play the, the old diamond, but Dundee have wingers, so they're going to have to play. Run a bit more. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm with Bear. If, if Dundee go toe-to-toe -to -toe with other teams in this league, they, mm -hmm. they should have enough to get what would you say, through I mean, it. He's played Josh Mulligan at, at right-back. Cammy's obviously injured. Yeah. Rather than Sam Fisher. When he brought Sam Fisher back and Cammy was injured, he played him at right-back. I'm just wondering what he's thinking is behind that. I, I didn't think... Oh, you're up at Cove as well. I yeah. didn't think Sam Fisher had a great game no. against Cove, particularly on the ball. I think defensively, he was but fine. he's more a natural defender than exactly. uh, yeah. Mulligan. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, well, it's thinking like we we're saying on the front foot. I mean, Josh Mulligan goes past boys with ease when he's yeah. powering up the park. So maybe that's what he's, he's now have that, that opinion. This is this is done. There's a bit. Wait, wait, wait. There's a bit of cake and eat it here, Bear. Yeah, we're going, we've got to give up chances because we've got yeah. to be going no, for no, goals. Yeah. <laughs> like like a goalkeeper, he's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I need a good defender. <laughs> yeah, I'm just wondering because he, he threw he threw Sam Fisher right. Back. When Sam uh, Fisher came back, I was I wasn't surprised because I, I thought you know they were a wee bit light if they did pick up injuries, but he, he never hesitated straight away. He was right right in the yeah. team and he did a good job. He did fine. Aye. But I, I, I like Mulligan in that mm. position. I, I think long term, I think if he goes up the levels, which he's definitely got the potential to do, I think that's where his position will be just because he's so good going forward in that kind of attacking mm -hmm. And wing he's maybe back. got an agent that's got an idea of how much wing backs are earning <laughs> these days. <laughs> yeah. It's a very fashionable position. Is. But no, I, I, yeah, I, I think he's done okay there. Morgan, I thought he did quite well in that last game. He, I, I think he's, I think he went off the boil a wee bit, yeah. and I think he's done okay. And 
a strength for a young man now. That's that's what's going to attract yeah. suitors. You know, he's a he's a powerful young young lad with a potential. If you're going go south of the border, you have to have that physicality. He's got that. He just needs to add a wee bit quality to his his, his final play, the final pass, the cross. Like a lot of them, that is, but that that could come. And he's had a nice wee break over the past week, as he's had a wee trip to the south of Spain with Scotland under twenty ones. So come back refreshed and with a nice tan. I Another cap. Another yeah. defeat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should just move on. <laughs> that, that was that was me back to my usual pessimistic. <laughs> I was, I'm quite proud of that one. Ah, you got a cap, son, but you lost. Another thing, looking at George's wonderful notes for this week's show. Few players: Kwame Thomas, Laurent Toulage, Barry Maguire, Ryan Clark, all back fit or almost oh, no back way. fit. And you I mean, uh, Alan, you know. The flip side of that coin from watching United this season, to have a bench where you can bring players on is a big, big strength, isn't it? It's a big bonus, as long as uh, the manager is um, focused and um, sure on what his best 11 is. I sometimes, and I don't profess to have even remotely the expertise that, that George and, and Bear have, but I sometimes feel like... Gary Boyer's been a little bit blinded by the amount of options he's got, mm. and maybe um, slightly fewer <laughs> attacking or midfield options would uh, uh, would have helped him out in terms of uh, clarity. But um, certainly, if you're looking for people to be impactful off the bench, then you know, guys that there that have done well, Barry Maguire in particular, in flashes has looked. Yeah, I you think you know, yeah. has looked uh, has looked at. A positive addition. So uh, certainly that that depth and, and the quality that these guys bring will be useful going into the run-in because it's foolish to suggest that the eleven players that he starts each game with are going to be mm-hmm. enough to to get the mm-hmm. results. There'll be twists and turns, and there'll be games where you know, maybe it's uh, you require a slightly different skill set. And you look at someone like Kwame Thomas, Thomas and the, and what he brings to the, the attacking role. So yeah, definitely useful options, but. As long as those additional options don't cloud the yeah. momentum that's being yeah. built, because I think at times this season um, there's been a little bit of not being able to see the wood for the trees, if that's not too unfair. I think it's very fair. And to go back to being good news, George, from me, because Alan was very positive there, to be fair, fans are getting in for less money. Yeah, that's, I think that's really positive. It's. it's one thing that's been kind of levelled at the club over the past few years is communication with the with the, the paying punters, and and it's good to see that they've yielded a wee bit in terms of cause it, the put of the season tickets and, and the it's quite pricey. I think I think the, to, the top end was what four hundred and ten pounds for next yeah, season. Should, ma- should actually mention United season tickets are now on sale yeah. as well, um, which is kind of tricky when you don't know what season what. Division you're going to be yeah. in, considering there's more games in the Premiership. No, so, for both of them. Um, but yeah, that's, but the club have, have obviously taken note of fans' thoughts on that, and they, they've reduced the prices for this Hamilton game. They've also reduced the the price of the season ticket by fifteen pounds, which is basically a full match, isn't it? I mean, it's a bit, bit three quarters of a full match, I guess. My arithmetic's not it's good ch- enough to work chunk, out. Chunk of, of ma- chunk of a full match, anyway. So that's that's really positive. And another thing, the, the community trust put out uh, this week is they put together hampers for people really struggling in the in the cost of living crisis uh, with just basic kind of essentials that people may be struggling to afford. I think that was a, it was a really good uh, move, and it shows that was there a Dundee season ticket. In the there, was a, there was a Dundee scarf. Ah, well done. Yeah, so I, I think it's a really positive and shows a, a club that's really trying to work really hard to look after people in the local community and I think that should be applauded. Also, things like that, reducing prices, paying for bu- here's an idea, chaps, paying for buses to away games, sort of, <laughs> as well as uh, individually, I mean it does cost clubs a substantial amount, we should make that clear. Yeah. Individually, punters might go, well, it's only a few quid. But again, it keeps things bubbling, mm-hmm. doesn't it? it? Keeps it's that thing where you're talking yeah. about promotion. That's that maybe the key word. Yeah. We're reducing prices because we're going for Absolutely. we're going for promotion. And, and, Sorry, I left the room there. When <laughs> I was speaking. And, and you know they're going to need everybody on board. And the atmosphere at Dens has been has been quite good this season. I yeah. think you know they've, they've got the, the younger section 
who, who mm-hmm. make a fair bit of noise and you know it's good and it's you good sit well away from I, I do sit well <laughs> away for, for an obvious, obvious reason but it's a no-brainer for the club I mean we've seen this in the past they're in, they're in the home straight the reduced prices I mean I, get, I go back to the, the, the promotion under Paul Hartley you know and there was there was a sellout at Danes against Dumbarton that day and that's the sort of thing mm. that the, the gates will increase I mean so even though they're reducing prices you know, they might get more money they in might get more yeah. money in, 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 in the long term and what they might do is they might encourage people if they do that's not bad they might come back they, yeah. might, they might buy season tickets or they might come back yeah. that's, but that's that's the bottom line to all to all this but yeah the more that come along the better we, we need we need to see dense fuel we need to get a bit of an atmosphere especially against you know Hamilton might have a few more this week because of what's happened yeah. last weekend you'd like to think that a few Hamilton fans will get on that bus and travel through to Dundee but there Although are, there's never been a no, team where huge no. support. But there are certain clubs who will, will ha- only bring a handful in it. You know, that that can make life as difficult, you know, big empty empty stands. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a good idea by the club. And, and hopefully hopefully the supporters who are maybe thinking, well, we'll, we'll go along, that will encourage them to do so because we need everybody pushing in mm. the right direction at this point. And another thing that was... Uh, announced this week, Queen's Park, the last, they've said the, the game on the last day of the season is going to be Ockelview rather than I think a big game at Hamden. I think that's fair. Is it? Is it I mean, what, what's, this, what's the capacity of Ockelview, George? Any ideas? Mm. I mean, I, I think, le- where were they going to play at Lesser Hamden? No, well, I think there was talk that they might, because they've, they've, they've played games at uh, ah, right, Big okay. Hamden this season already, but... Yeah. Yeah, just I mean, to make the most of a big Dundee support. Well, and I take that yeah, back, a big, even a big even a big Dundee support at Hamden. So. I was assuming they'd played all yeah. their home games yeah. at Ockelview, but right. if they've if they've played games yeah. again, it's it's a shame for Dundee fans. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would have been a wonderful away day, and I'm, I'm kind of reluctant to put out the number there because I've not got it firmed up myself. But I, I think I'm here. I heard that it's going to be a really minuscule amount of tickets Dundee will be. Handed maybe kind of lower than a hundred, so uh, it's going to be. Um, mm. It's a shame that yeah. what could have been an unbelievable away day and potentially the day they won the title is going to be seen by a, a handful of Dundee fans. Yeah. The, thing is that the game is on on television, so well, Dundee fans. Uh, You've decided because uh, they're always kicking off at the same time. No, uh, it's on TV. Sorry, sorry, that's what happens when you're retired. Catch up every week or. Days. No, the well, best case scenario though isn't a league decider yeah <laughs> no, the Dundee fans might want to stay away yeah. but what's a league decider yeah my idea uh, but you do, Dundee you, fan yeah you do, you, do, you do well to be kind of because Queen's Park have got a better goal difference so you do well to be more than three points ahead yeah. of Queen's Park going into the last day of the season so yeah. I think although you'd want to get it in the bag that that could yeah. be an ambitious could one I, thinking, I, yeah. think, I think there'll still be something uh, riding uh, on that my nightly prayer is still for a Queen's Park collapse. No offence, because they're a club alike, but I just, I just want promotion, and yeah. I don't, I don't want a nail biting no, ninety no. minutes. I, I also, I'm not a fan of when people say this club needs to be in the top flight or this oh, club shouldn't because football's a meritocracy. Yeah. And see if uh, see if you earn it, then you earn it, and, and you know, welcome to the big leagues. Yeah. However, there's no getting away from the fact logistically, in terms of the fan base, in terms of the infrastructure that the club has, that Dundee would bring a lot more of those intangible benefits to the top flight than Queen's Park would. So from a, um, a a neutral perspective, which I guess we aren't in this podcast, but I think from a neutral perspective, there should be a lot of uh, support for, for Dundee going up. And in the meantime, Queen's Park can continue to build sustainably like they're doing and, and you know, get to their new stadium and, yeah. and, and, and keep building, oh, you know. They can get promoted next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like you say, it always has to, who's in the, in what division has to be decided on the park where where at all possible but I I mean I totally get why club chairman will sit and look Mm -hmm. and there are chairmen in St Johnson Dundee United will want Dundee to come up Mm -hmm. for business reasons it's good crowds uh, for them and and I get that but I mean Alan's absolutely right if if Queen's Park win all their games well done to them No, it's right. I mean, it's got to be on merit. If it's not on merit, we're finished in Scottish football. Yeah. We're, we're absolutely finished. Forget pyramid systems and, and, and things like that. What I think they should look at is, is the structure of, of certainly the top two leagues. Yeah. And, ma- and, and make sure that 
the championship isn't the financial disaster it has become for for clubs like like Dundee, who if if you can't get straight back up, then you really you really you know you really take a, a massive hit. I always think it's easier for smaller clubs like Queens Park to to reduce their their actual business model. Yeah. Dundee find it very difficult to do that, uh-huh. and as such, you know it costs them a lot more money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got to be based on merit. So <laughs> hopefully Dundee can do it. They should the also yeah, they should also think about shaking up the, the promotion playoffs because they're an absolute joke as well. The fourth having to yeah. play third over two legs, then the winners having to play second over two legs, then the winners have playing a fully refreshed and regenerated premiership team over two legs. It is utter nonsense, but I don't see that going Especially anywhere. Especially when they're all one organisation again. Yeah, but I, I mean, the turkeys won't vote for Christmas and all that, no. so I don't yeah. see that changing, yeah. but make no mistake, that's an absolute joke and <laughs> one of those reasons why... It's a difficult thing to work out when you've got four teams and left in a competition. I mean, what do you do? Have two semi-finals and a final? That would just be... Yeah, yeah I know. It's, it's, so, it's so confusing. But, uh, it's, it's not as if you could do 11th versus 4th, 2nd <laughs> against 3rd and then it's, have a final. It's eh? a brilliant uh, model and it's worked in England. If only Einstein hu- was alive. Hugely, eh? hugely successful in England, you know, and... But would you, for somebody, as Alan says, it's the, the clubs have to vote for it, and they're not going to do that. But it's, it's unbelievably unfair that the club finishing fourth has to play so many games to get to the Premier yeah. League. You know, it should just be a semi-final final. That's you know, that's that's a state of play. Bear showing his true Dundee fan pessimism there. <laughs> unfair that we end <laughs> the club in fourth. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not even wanting to contemplate the playoffs. Yeah. But what I would say is. The vast majority, well, not the vast majority, but a big chunk of that squad went through that actual yeah. process yeah. only, you know, two Good. years ago, yeah. and and got there. So, I think the big the big problem with Dundee is if they don't go up, it's that team actually came from nowhere to get to the playoffs and to get to second in the league as they, they were on an upward curve. I think if Dundee were to fail, you know, it's more of a downer. Yeah, isn't it? The, the, the feeling from that would be very difficult. You know, the, the disappointment from that would be very difficult to recover from for a, for a playoff tie. Well, they could be Kilmarnock again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll need to move on because we've forgot to fit in the glory. Yes, George, having praised you for your extensive notes, it says here Scotland, <laughs> Scotland, section three, <laughs> glory. <laughs> For those of us yeah. who are out the country, explain. Scotland did quite well this week. They did do rather well, didn't they? There's, did. nothing, there's nothing really we can add to the analysis. We just wanted to bask in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everyone said everything that needs to be said. Let's, let's speak about Rodri then. <laughs> Has he stopped greeting yet? I don't think so. It, it wasn't uh, yeah, the most gracious of yes, post-match. Yes, it wasn't a fine, a fine player's finest moment. No, he's a superb player. No, I, yeah. Um, you should maybe look at his teammates passing the ball out of the park rather than yeah. wondering about Scotland or chucking themselves trying to get Andy Robertson sent off trying to get a penalty in the first half well I, I thought that Robertson I, was Roberts, a bit lucky I thought Robertson I thought Robertson yeah. and was it Aspas no uh, no Aspas in the second half yeah. in the second half I thought they were sort of mm-hmm. two orange cards if you like mm-hmm. where yeah. Another day, they both might have seen red for the the force of their challenge. Yeah. The the notion that Scotland were defensive or in any way anti football is just silly. They had yeah. nine shots to Spain's eight. Yeah. Scotland played very well and showed an appreciation of some of the dark arts that top nations have been doing for a very yeah. very long time. <laughs> uh, well, you, you I can, think I think if Scotland have got the dark arts, they've imported them from somewhere. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and yeah. You could pick a country they've imported them from. Spain would be amongst Spain. one of those countries. Uh-huh. I thought I thought there's a I thought it was the perfect mix of physicality mm. and mm. nous and playing some attacking football. And Aye. I mean, Spain were after the referee very early in yeah. the game. Uh-huh. That's that's not in the spirit. The true spirit of the game was was invented. Absolutely baffled by how rattled Spain got. That, yeah. I mean, that's the, the thing that really stood out for me. Is you'd imagine Spain would have known exactly what sort of game they were walking into, but yet the moment things started to go against them, they completely lost the run of themselves. I think the only player that played with any sort of composure in their team was, ironically enough, Rodri, who yeah. waited until after the game to lose the <laughs> ah. run of himself. So it was um, the Scotland's perfect guys like. Callum McGregor, Kieran Tierney, Aaron Hickey, Ryan Porteous, 
magnificent, absolutely mm-hmm. magnificent. The man, in fact, it feels Charlie singling out any of yeah. those players, but because uh-huh. everyone was superb. superb, but it wasn't. Yeah, this notion that I've I've seen anti football um, yeah. from from Scotland, yeah. and uh, that absolutely was was not it. Well, you look at the stats, and the only stat they were markedly better is obviously going to be possession. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the stats, it looks like a pretty even game. And, uh, and watching it, I mean, bizarrely, Dundee. when they're chasing the game, the longer the game went on, the more they passed the ball about. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I must admit, I thought by the end of the first half, Spain will consider themselves unlucky not to be level. Mm. And the way they were pinning Scotland into the yeah. into their final third and putting the ball into the box, I thought they, they can still go yeah. on and win this. But the second half, they went back to that thing that they got criticised for at times uh, under Luis Enrique, where the ball went nowhere, other mm. than sometimes out of play, as you've said, George. Yeah. Half, th- yeah, sorry. The half-time came at a good time for Scotland, I think, although Lyndon Dice couldn't, couldn't yeah. be nice on the yeah. cake if he scored. But half-time, Spain had had... Had been on top for for a bit, but Scotland regrouped after after the break. There's no doubt about that. And I think as the game went on, and obviously getting the second goal helped. But as the game went on, the players start to believe that yeah. they, they can do this. Mm-hmm. And why shouldn't the vast majority? Well, not the vast majority, but a big swathe of them are are playing in the top flight in, in England, which is widely regarded as the, as, as the toughest league, you know, and, and certainly European football and world football. You could say there's some of the stars that are in there. And yeah. They go and play there week in and week out. So you just you, you know you revert the type and. You do what you do good things there against some of the top players, so it makes life difficult mm-hmm. for them. But here, I've got to just take my hat off to Steve Clark. What a magnificent job! I'm delighted to see yeah. that he signed mm-hmm. a new contract. What a magnificent job he's done. He's he, he, he's he's built. He was always always felt he was a good manager. Felt he's a lucky manager at times, which you need that going forward. Um, but tactically. He's absolutely spot yeah. on, and he's now built a squad by a team mentality. And as a squad, he's got depth on that bench where he can bring boys on, and he's yeah. comfortable that they will do a job. Um, and Scotland are just magnificent. I always feel that you, you've got the opportunity. You know, at Hamden, we can beat anyone. Um, Forty years since we beat the Spaniards, I was actually yeah. at that game so at Hamden Park that night. Kenny at least what a goal that was, Hi. by the way. Um, so it brought back happy memories, um, and hopefully, I, I still feel I could only find a. a, a like every team probably, a striker that is yeah. real, real quality yeah. would, get, would have a real chance. But then we've got the midfielders now scoring, yeah. scoring all the goals. I mean, John McGinn yeah. is a regular yeah. and I know. I just, McTominay is the regular. Now. I've but got to say, it's a typical, you know, listen to the, the pundits at the end, it's, it's a typically Scottish thing. We've just beaten Spain, yeah. one of the greatest teams in world football. And we start instead of seeing how good Scotland were, we start going. But Spain weren't very good, you know. Mm-hmm. They, I, they, I think we made the, flaws. I, I think yeah. I think we got, Honesty. We, got yeah. we got under their skin a bit. Yeah. I, think, I, I mean, think. whatever Spain did, did wrong. They're still one of the superpowers yeah. of world football. But I don't, what people were talking about the squad. What really pleased me was how when we lost guys like Tierney, who was superb, he got injured, and I thought, well, oh, this could be a problem. Aye. But then Lean. Cooper, Cooper, Cooper comes in, does great, and then we lose Hickey, and I thought, well, oh, this could be a problem. He didn't, I like Patterson, but he's not been playing so much. And the boys just came in, Lewis Ferguson came in, yeah. just looked. But they've all, had, they've all been used in the past, George. He's yeah. not, he's not yeah. limited his bench and throwing guys on that he doesn't doesn't trust. You know, and I think that Steve Clark does. Steve Clark's a loyal guy. He'll give you a chance. He'll get you in the pool. Mm-hmm. If you have a bad game, you'll still get another opportunity. Um, and if you do well for him. He, re- he remembers uh-huh. that. One thing, the big, the big thing for me is Angus Gunn. He has grabbed the gloves. I'm afraid, but and I feel for, I, I feel for goalie. the two other keepers. I feel for Big Xander and Liam, as Liam Kelly yeah. he was on the bench. He as looks well. calm, doesn't he? He Aye. looked assured. I think mm. the big thing for for him was having his club centre half directly in front of him. Mm. Grant Hanley, yeah. Yeah. you know, you've got a guy who you, who you know and trust, and he know, knows you as well with bat passes and shouting and things like that. So, but fair play to him. You know, he didn't have a huge amount to do, but what he did, he did very well, and it's, it's going to take you know a lot to, to take the gloves away from him now. Being typically dour and Scottish, the thing I enjoyed <laughs> was the amount of how circumspect the Scotland players were after we yeah, you know we're yeah, all yeah. partying. But there was this, there was just a cavalcade of interviews saying, okay, we've beaten Spain, but it's the second game of the group, and I think that's absolutely the right mentality because it is so early in the group and. We've got two games against Haaland and Odegaard's Norway. We've got two games against Kavara Shelia's Georgia, <laughs> probably yeah, one of the best players in the world right now. So 
Scotland have not qualified for this tournament, yeah. not even close, and we've got four games against teams that are more than capable of, if we don't turn up, beating us home and away. So um, I think that uh, sense of perspective is really, really good and a, a, a massively good sign. It is. Oh, and you had to spoil it. <laughs> no, I, I'm, 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 taking, I'm, I'm taking that pessimism as a real positive yeah, leave sign. Him alone, bear. It means, it means, um, It means that there's not going to be any sense of uh, premature partying mm. and um, there's no we're on the match with Ali's army kind of thing going on. We're, I think there's a, there's a focus and... Um, a professionalism to hopefully see this through. Leave Alan alone, Bear, a bit of pessimism, just the way I like things. If you like the podcast, we'd be grateful if you tell your pals about it, or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. All that really helps people find Twa Teams One Street, and that means a lot to us. Don't forget to pick up your copy of the Tele Monday to Saturday for all the latest from Dens and Tanadice, or Go to thetelly.co.uk to find out how you can get the paper delivered right to your door.